It is Saturday morning time once again for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you this morning? I'm doing quite well. I hope you are as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that uh, spring sale at Haskell's is still going on. That's right, and it, it's a doozy. As a matter of fact, we have a progressive part of sale within a sale, so everything that isn't on sale is you take the date's percentage, today being the 20th or the 21st, everything is 21% off or 20% off or whatever the date is, and that goes through tomorrow, Sunday. So it's a sale within a sale, and it's absolutely terrific, and we're just hopping busy, which is great. But what I thought we'd do this morning is talk about answering some questions. You know, I get hundreds of questions throughout the year, and I usually try and answer them more frequently. I looked, and I haven't answered any questions in a long time, so I thought that might be a good way uh, to start a brisk Saturday morning. And uh, one of the most asked questions is, what's the best glass? Well, you know, today we suffer from an overindulgence. There's a glass for everything, a special glass for tequila, a special glass for port wine, etc. And they're all very nice and uh, even uh, enhance the flavor of tequila or port wine or single malt scotch. Uh, there's no question about that. I've participated in glass panels, uh, mainly done by Maximilian uh the Riedel people, uh, they make a glass for everything. But, you know, it's kind of, I think, overkill when you have all those glasses. A really good all-purpose glass, in my opinion, is a 12-ounce bowl on a little stem, a short stem. The short stem is good because you can get it into the dishwasher. And sometimes those big, beautiful glasses that we have for fine old wines, which really do enhance the flavor of the wine, are tough to wash, they're delicate, they're expensive. When you break one, you feel like you've, you might just as well have bought another $100 bottle of wine And when you break one of those big uh, glasses. But a small one, like I said, that holds around 12 ounces is about perfect. And you only fill it with about 4 ounces of wine, so there's plenty of space in there for the air. A lot of people opt for bigger ones, say maybe... Uh, 16 to 18 ounce bowl, but I think 12 ounce bowl is nice because it's very manageable and it uh, serves a wide variety of wines. You can use it for white, red, for burgundy, for Bordeaux, for Cabernet, Zinfandel, etc. So if you stick with that, I don't think you can go wrong. Uh, Where is the best place in the world for values in wines today? Well, I'd say that's probably Spain. You know, Spain has always been a huge producer of wine, etc. but they produced a lot of plonk, or very common, not-so-hot wine. Well, with the manufacture of wine improving greatly, and even the uh, most uh, poor farmer or grape farmer can afford stainless steel vats and that kind of stuff, the quality of those wines that used to be considered plonk has improved dramatically. And then also there's uh, wines coming from Eastern Europe that are we can get Georgian, Bulgarian, and those kind of wines. Uh, they're great values, and they're coming in in Croatia, places like that. Uh, just uh, 
Look for sales on wines, too. You know, even the best wines go on sale once in a while, and that's the time to buy them. Uh, and then uh, another question is, we're having a large gathering. What kind of wine shall I have? Well, usually with a big gathering, I suggest first and foremost, you let cost be your guide. You don't want to break the bank. You want something modestly priced, but you want it good. Uh, Chile often fills the bill there. The wines from Chile are, are very nicely priced, and usually they're pretty good uh, as a, a general rule. Uh, I usually like Pinot Grigio for a reception from Italy because it's uh, sort of a bland wine that everybody likes and can tolerate, whether they're Chardonnay or Sauvignon Blanc drinkers. They'll make room for a, a Pinot Grigio once in a while. And uh, also uh, Beaujolais from France are good values. The regular Beaujolais, not Nouveau, but regular Beaujolais are good for a big party, etc. cetera. Uh, then there's the, uh, should I decant wines? Well, yes and no. Uh, all wines benefit from decanting, and usually it's, decanting is only real necessary if you're having an old wine where you don't want any of the sediments to go into the glass because it uh, will affect the taste in a deleterious manner. But anyhow, so, uh, but decanting also, I got a, a note, uh, do all wines have histamines in them? Yes, most do. Uh, 99% of them do. But by decanting and swirling the wine around, you can dissipate all those histamines very easily. And when you dissipate those things, they don't bother you. But make sure the person that's dissipating them isn't uh, allergic to histamines. Uh, I like to put ice in my wine. What do you think of that? Well, I, I don't have any opinions on it. If you like it like that, have it that way. It really doesn't make any difference. You're the one that's drinking the wine. I wouldn't uh, allow myself, frankly, to be moved by other people who say, oh, that's a terribly bohemian and not a good thing to do. If you like wine that way, why not? You know, a lot of people like wine spritzers, and that's diluting the wine with just club soda. Uh, so if you're putting ice in, you're diluting it a little with uh, water, and that's all right, too. There's nothing wrong with uh, you doing that. Like I say, I don't recommend it if you're enjoying the wine. It thins the wine down a lot. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it, it's your choice. I wouldn't... Not put ice in there because of embarrassment, that's for certain. Uh, do I have to store wine in a temperature-controlled cellar? Well, again, that's, the answer to that is yes and no. Everyday wine, if we're drinking normally, really doesn't require uh, being in a temperature-controlled cellar. A temperature-controlled cellar is designed for wine to age simply and luxuriously and without any problems. And they do a fabulous job for that. Uh, it doesn't hurt to put your regular wine in there also. Because uh, the enemies of wine are light, sunlight, and heat. Those are the big things. Cold wine is very tolerant of cold. And in the past, we've even done uh, in Minnesota uh, testing of wines that had been frozen. And, of course, once the wine is frozen, it's like flash pasteurizing. The wine's never, ever going to get any better, but it isn't going to get any worse either. So 
It doesn't destroy the wine when it's frozen. But if the wine is put in a hot environment where it's really heat and baked, it ruins it. There's nothing you can do about it. Usually I recommend to people, particularly if you live in an older house and you have a room in the basement, sometimes a root cellar or an old cold bin or something like that, Try and insulate the room from the heat of the house. Make sure that, and that it gives you some cellar temperature that's just beautiful. I live in a real old house in Kenwood, and I had an old vegetable cellar in there that I walled off, and I've been storing mine in there for decades, and it's always come out fine. It's never been a problem. It, the only temperature control is the temperature of earth, and keeping that heat from the house out of the cellar. Uh, the best wines, are they really kept uh, for the cellar master? No, believe me. If they have really good wines, they sell them. Uh, the only wines they put aside is for their bibliotheque or wine library, where they keep wines so they have references of wines from all different vintages. They most wine merchants are in the business of selling wine. They're very happy to sell their wine, and they want to sell their wine to you. So they don't keep the best for themselves. Absolutely not. They may put aside a case or two, or even uh, 10 or 20 cases, depending on the size of the winery. Uh, or And, you know, a lot of those vignerons put wines away for their children and grandchildren, and that's a nice thing to do. We can do that here, too. I've done that. For all my grandchildren, they have wines put aside in their uh, in their birth year, and every now and then it's kind of fun. They'll say, uh, uh, "Papa, let's open the wine for my birth year," and we do, and we both share in that. So uh, it, that's a, a nice thing to do with you, a temperature controlled cellar. And like I said, again, if you don't haven't got a temperature controlled cellar, if you can just find a room in the basement. Wall it off from the heat of the house, and you're all set. If you live in an apartment, the best thing to do for a wine is probably find a room, if you haven't got a, a temperature-controlled cellar or one of those vineyard boxes uh, to store wine, uh, set a, room, a closet in the center of the house usually works the best, and keep it on the floor. Uh, and like I say, you want to keep it away from heat and sunlight. Those are the two things uh, that you do. I always hear, this is one of my favorite, I've had a, a bottle of wine at a restaurant in Prague, and oh, the wine was so good, I've never tasted wine like that before in my entire life. Uh, can you get it here? Well, no, it's somebody's wine, but I submit you were taking it in the environment and the atmosphere and everything else. And that same wine in the harsh fluorescent light of your kitchen with your significant other in a bad mood isn't going to taste as romantic as it would if you're in the city of Prague. So uh, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, we talked about histamines. What about sulfites? Well, sulfites are another thing with wine. All wines have sulfites in them. I, you know, it, it's just the way they purify the tanks and everything else. The sulfites end up in every kind of wine. Uh, and, again, you can dissipate it by decanting. Uh, and uh, just watch what you do with sulfites. Incidentally, older wines, any wine that's over eight or nine years old has no sulfites in it anymore. They've all been dissipated. Uh, 
And those sulfites can give you headaches. But I, another one is that European wine is different than American. I said, why? Well, she said, I get a terrible headache when I'm drinking uh, wine at home here. But if I'm in Europe, I don't. Well, I submit you're on vacation. You're having a good time. Life is easy and joyful. And uh, it, it's a whole different thing. You don't feel any uh, moral obligation about having too much to drink. It's just the easy. So uh, the wine is exactly the same. They don't treat the wine any differently there than they do here. Well, that's a few of the questions. I just barely got into the pile, but uh, probably enough for one morning to answer those questions. Uh, you can stop at any Haskell store, and the folks there love to talk about wine, and they'll help you and answer your questions. Absolutely, and uh, we've got a bunch of locations, too. Indeed. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. They love to help you pick a wine that's going to make your meal. They can't prepare the meal, but they can make sure it's a big success with the right pairing of wine to go with your food. And best of all, they'll help you pick a wine that doesn't cost very much. And we are in the third week of our spring sale, and it's a Lulu, so come on in. You'll save big dollars on wine at all the Haskell stores. There's one in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's one down in Faribault, right off of 35. Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. In downtown Minneapolis, there's free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, we do deliver. Very good, Jack. Let's do this again next week. Denny, you know I'm going to look forward to that. Thank you, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.